Welcome to the Alien Pro Podcast. In a 1993 taped confession, never before made public, Albert Einstein's assistant in the summer of 1947 made the stunning admission that she and the professor were flown to Roswell, New Mexico under government direction and examined the debris and bodies resulting from the crash of an extraterrestrial vehicle. Joining me today is Dr. Bill. Bill, what the hell? What is this? Hello. Hey, I don't know. Hey. Um, I don't know. I think we should take a listen to the uh, to the interview and um, let's just listen to it and, and this, talk this about is it. Cra- this is craziness. Yeah. All uh, right. We should add that this was on the Anthony Bragalia's UFOs explorations, original research, and independent reporting. Uh, we have the recordings from his site. And he um, says on his site that this can be um, shared and and uh, disseminated. So I think and we're we will, and we're doing that. So um, how about we just jump into the interview and we'll we'll start uh, talking about it. So I'm I I am in control, and um, if you want me to stop, just say stop, and I'll stop the recording, and and I'll stop it periodically, and we'll talk about what we're listening to. You ready? Go go go. All right, it started. Takes a second. <clears throat> All I recall is several people using the word Roswell, and that must be where the crash occurred then, and then they brought them to the other place. It looked like an, at an airport facility where there was like a, a rather good-sized building, a hangar, where they had the spaceship and then where they had the bodies. Mm-hmm. An intact ship? No. No, it was badly damaged. Was there anything written on the ship? No, not anything I saw. No. Uh, can not you by des- the time I saw it? Can you describe what it looked like? Did you touch me? Yeah, they they didn't let me do that, but the other people were permitted to do that because they were very curious about knowing what kind of materials they were. Uh, the uh, the body of the ship was. Uh, this is the body of the ship was what I would call today rather a reflective material, but when you looked at it and you were close to it, it was rather dull. So it had to be energetically reflective or translucent or uh, or uh, glowing, and uh, it was uh, uh, disc shaped and it was not too high, it was sort of concave, you know. How big was it? Oh gee, let me see. It was, uh, I'm very bad at large room and it was easily one-fourth the size of the room it was in. Uh, Were you able to go inside? No, I wanted to, but the others did go inside. Yeah, they went inside. I was not permitted to do that, not being one of the upper echelon. I was just one of the gophers, you know, going for this, going for that. You know, I was nobody. 
with nobody. But uh, they went inside. They also wanted to see the method of propulsion. They were interested to see. They wanted to see if they had any other types of control devices or uh, communication devices or what kind of even things they had for the journey. In other words, if they had come such a long distance, how were they able to do that and so forth? You know, what you and I would call food or respiratory gases, you know, what did they use? They were very interested in, in identifying that. Did it look like in... Some of them told me, yes, and it's, it's very much, oddly, like a lot of science fiction movies today. A lot of equipment, very trim, all along the perimeter. Things that would come up from the floor automatically, pods that would come out, things like that. Um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the, the beings and... Uh, all right, I'm going to stop it there for a minute. Okay. So the, now, the, re the <clears throat> yeah, sorry. The researcher, the woman that's talking to her, is uh, Sheila Franklin, and she was um, active in the states of Florida's Mutual UFO Network, and she collaborated with a guy named Stringfield, who has I just picked up a book by him called uh, I have a couple things by him called Situation Red which is published in 1973. Uh, so she heard about this woman, interviewed her, and uh, recorded it. But uh, apparently it was written in this guy. Stringfield has a book. He writes or a series of reports, status reports on UFO crash retrievals. And he gave her a pseudonym, Edith Simpson, uh, to protect her privacy when he wrote about this earlier in the early 90s. Anyway, so did he know? How did this come out? I mean, how did he find out about? Did he just know because of his crash retrieval research about uh, what happened here with Einstein and all this? Well, this this woman Sheila Franklin had heard about uh, this this woman that Sheila Wright Shirley Wright had heard about this through like mutual friends and uh, set up an interview. And I don't know where the interview took place. And then she, she did the interview. She's obviously very good with her questions. You'll hear in the, this one and the next, next one. Apparently she does have more recordings that she hasn't been able to um, find. Resurrect. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, what, 30 years ago? And so it's like you find yeah. something from 30 years ago. Yeah, it's probably on a... What a cassette, or I don't know. Oh, it's got to be method they use. cassette. Real it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, <laughs> ninety-three. No, it was cassette. Probably cassette. Little yeah. cassette recorder. Um, but it's a, it's phenomenal. I mean, I've never. I mean, we've been messing around with this stuff for a while, and I've never heard of this before. I mean, and this isn't new either. This is just something you resurrected, right? You yeah. This is this house? has been this is resurrected because this guy um Stringfield Leonard Stringfield had written about this in the 90s in one of his reports and I was able to find uh his status report number one online the other ones you got to buy them and they're 70 bucks on eBay I'm not gonna pick one up yeah um I got I picked up enough stuff for now I have a I have a 10-year supply of UFO books to go through um and most of this stuff only takes you up to the 70s and uh so yeah, no, I never heard this before. 
but we should keep we should keep going. So what do you? Okay. Let's keep going. Let's see what else she has to say. Communicator Patrick, what kind of information was given? Did they ask you anything, and did you ask them anything? I'm going to stop this. They're saying uh, that they communicated telepathically. All right. Oh, yeah. That's interesting because I didn't. I was reading the, and I didn't see that in the written. Thing. It's not in the written thing. It's in the. Um, it's in the interview. It's in the comments. Yeah. It's in her interview. She just said they communicated. She asked if they communicated, and um, um, Dr. Wright, Shirley Wright, who's being interviewed, said that they communicated telepathically. Okay, I'm going to start it again. It was both ways. We asked them several questions, and they asked us several questions. Uh, not myself individually, or me particularly, but the people I was people I was with. Uh, they uh, wanted to know. They wanted to know how long we lived. Uh, they wanted to know if there were some conditions that terminated what we call, quote unquote, our life. Uh, in other words, what you and I would consider diseases or stresses on our body to terminate our life. Uh, they uh, asked, let me see if I can remember. thought I'd never forget some of this. I don't know why my mind is so blank on some of these things. Uh, they asked a lot of the scientists uh, what was their uh, best system of going out into the atmosphere or going into the ocean and how deeply we had penetrated uh, galaxies, things like that. Uh, uh, and of course they were uh, very quick to let us know that we didn't know anything. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's that's true. We don't know anything. No, we don't <laughs> know anything. Still don't know anything. Yeah, one one of the things is um, that I should point out. I don't think I have a dictionary here. Um, they s s mentioned galaxies, so I need to. Um, to define, I'm not sure how they're defining the word galaxies, and it'll come up again. Uh, galaxy, I mean, there's you have solar system, you have universe, and you have galaxy. And well, those are those are all terms we use. Yeah. Let's say, you know, what I, mean? I don't. <clears throat> yeah. Unless so, they know, unless they know what how what we think of as a galaxy or a universe. Well, I'm also think, thinking about in yeah. the terms of, of, for a lot of people, I, I think galaxy and universe, when people say galaxy, uh, I'm not sure a lot of people understand or use the, the definition correctly. Because quite often yeah. when I hear that word, I think people are, are convoluting the word galaxy with our solar system. Yeah, solar system is our group of yeah. planets. Uh, and... And I need to check the definition. Um, all right, so a galaxy is we live in a galaxy. And then. Uh, well, we do have the solar system, and the galaxy is how. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, our solar system is in the galaxy, and the universe is everything else. 
So okay. uh, they come up here when she says galaxy. We'll, we'll talk about it when she mentions that. But I just want to make sure we have the definitions correct. Okay, here we go. So we understand what's being said. Awesome. Here we go. Um, they, they did not menace us or threaten us at all because they knew right away we were intellectually inferior and scientifically inferior. But how was it that they crashed? Was there any information about that, if they have such technology? Uh, how is it that... Uh, Something had gone wrong, and that was one of the major things that we asked them. We asked them what they ate. We asked them what kind of gases they needed. We asked them about their uh, life support, their origin. We asked them what they used for propulsion. We asked them what there was, things, things like that. And we asked them what they thought went wrong, you know, if and why they were, first of all, even coming here. Why did they come to visit us? Do you remember what they said? Obviously, they're so obviously superior. Why would they want to come to Earth? What did they say? Well, this one indicated, at least telepathically, uh, like the thing it. They, they don't have a sex like we do, so I can't say he or she or something. Um, it indicated that uh, they were exploring intergalactic space, what we would call intergalactic space. He didn't call it that. Uh, search a better source than where they were. They were running into a problem where they are from because of some physical condition, energy-wise. And they needed to go some other place. And so we took it that they were wanting to maybe colonize some other place. And they were finding that Earth was entirely unsuitable to them. And that's why they were, because they found out that we are not at their level at all, so they had nothing to fear from us. How little they know. <laughs> I think they, have, they would have a lot to fear. Um, but they still didn't know what happened to their propulsion system that would have brought them down? No, they didn't exactly know. They knew that it was a malfunction of something, but they, they didn't know. And in fact, one beat just on the verge of trying to go with a couple engineers and scientists into it in more detail when he succumbed, it succumbed, and, and they couldn't bring him back. Were they only one ship, or, or did they, were they just a, there by themselves as a scout ship, or were, were there any others in the Armada? They claimed there were eight, that was a maverick that somehow lost position or something. I don't know whether it was a time warp or what, but they got out of the direction where the others were even going. And uh, one ship he claimed crashed in Siberia in the same group. Thanks. Of course, he didn't know what it was called, but we told him it's the United States. Uh, did he say where they were from and what star system? You said, and were they from this galaxy? They indicated to us that they were not from our galaxy, definitely not from our galaxy. And the uh, star system, the name was absolute gibberish to us. We didn't know what it meant. 
Was that at that point in time? Uh, do you have any knowledge whether we found that star system now? So far as I know, we still have it unknown. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to stop it there for now. Uh, yeah, so she's saying that they came from another galaxy, from ours, which um, is ex extremely challenging. Uh, she's talking about time warps. It's another thing we're not sh part of. And their ship got lost, and she's referring to, I think in the Siberia thing, she's referring to the uh, Tungus Tungusta event. Was that, that, well, wasn't that that thing where it blew over all the trees? And yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah so, so, I yeah. I know, that's... That seems like a meteor. Yeah, to me, know. that's or a comet is what I think the best best thing yeah. is that a big ice it, ball came in and just the energy just blew everything up. But Eric, you sent me an article, uh, an audio article, a couple of weeks ago with Von Daniken that, that I think he discussed the Siberian uh, UFO crash briefly. Yeah, in there, yeah, so. and I think he's he. There's a lot of people that in the sort of the UFO community they 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 really grasp onto this thing as something. And it was a spectacular event, but I think it was just sort of a, a you know, comet that came in and just, right. you know, a good-sized comet came in and just impacted and blew everything up. Uh, I'm, I'm having a little trouble with her interview. I mean, she seems like a good witness, but the, um, this, this reminds me of that old Star Trek episode of the cage where you have the ladies with the big butt heads. Yeah. So they they communicate telepathically and they have giant heads and the whole thing with the the modern sort of UFO alien thing is uh, and Joe Rogan pointed this out in one of his shows is the the aliens they got big heads and they got shrunken bodies and they communicate uh, telepathically and in like the 40s and 50s science fiction this is where they thought that human evolution was going to go that eventually we were all going to you know be like these these uh, aliens right. with um, you know, giant heads and shrunken bodies and operating on pure intellect. And I don't know if that's where uh, human evolution is going. So there's things on this where it just seems right now, uh, I, it's this part of the interview is too, uh, fits in too closely with sort of the sci-fi trope from the 40s and 50s. And um, I don't know, I'm putting a big question mark on this. But let's, well, it, it's it's interesting because she said she wasn't able to see inside yet. She later on described something. Well, she was. The crowd. She she's saying she's saying like the telepathic stuff. She didn't communicate telepathically with these people. That she talked to the the there was people, people there. Did. Yeah. So yeah. the whole story is that she was interning for a summer at in um, with Einstein along with twenty nine other students, and she was the only woman to. Um, to be in this group, and Einstein liked her, so he yeah. she, she says, "Well, I was his I was his pet, so yes. that's why she was able to go on this this thing." Um, right now, I'm sort of you know she's fitting into all these sort of science fiction um, tropes, which bothers me about the whole UFO story. And I should say there is a uh, um, I haven't started looking into the abduction thing, and the abduction became big in the 70s and 80s, as we've talked a little bit about before. And there's one of the abduction things. Well, everybody talks about the aliens that look, you know, the same. The big head and the shrunken body and they communicate yeah. telepathically. Um, but there was one where these guys up in the panhandle got, I don't see the book offhand, got uh, 
abducted and the description of the aliens and the the drawings of the aliens uh, I find more acceptable because it doesn't follow the same paradigm of the giant head and the shrunken body sort of thing and these aliens that these guys described are more alien as it, what I would expect especially from an alien species that's evolved on another planet anyway uh, let's let's keep going all right um, what do, and how many people were around when you were there or were there government people were there other scientists there were government people there were military people there were scientists there were uh, lower echelon people there were many individuals about about both men and women many people uh, how did you get from where you were with the scientists you were with to that point of where the uh, ship and military vehicles to the site. Um, were you interrogated at all before they allowed you to see this? No, because I was just sort of in the background and I, I was just, you know, I had no positive even fifth or sixth line interest in it or anything. I was just to be in assisting the scientists that I was with and part of his entourage, so to speak. And that's why I was there. And I was just permitted to be there. How did you feel when you saw this and, and saw what was taking place? Well, I was quite overwhelmed and awed. I, I uh, real or fantasy, I wondered whether there was somebody playing a, a terrible, untruth on us uh, and uh, it's just that the people there was such activity and behavior and interest on the part of people I knew it was something serious okay that's it for part one so All right. sounds like it was Russian midgets to me <laughs> well it's interesting because she said in the article it says that she doesn't have a security clearance and in, uh, when they asked her, she said she did. And then the, I don't know if this is on part two, probably. Yeah, I think it um, is. And they, she says that she did have a security clearance, but she didn't know what kind. So, I mean, which isn't untypical. I mean, you know, you yeah. got a clearance. I mean, you don't really back, I'm sure under the circumstances, I don't know, just give me enough clearance to get inside to see the thing. Well, if she was, if, she, if she was, um, Working for Einstein for a summer as an intern, and and Einstein obviously worked on classified stuff. All the interns would have had to been vetted, and probably yeah. granted some level of clearance just in case they saw something in his office or talked to him in a conversation. So I mean, it's just yeah. it might have just been due diligence on the part of the internship yeah. program. What's interesting is she says that there's 29 other interns. I mean, but all these people. This is. Uh, 75 years ago um, the, the thing that's frustrating with this stuff is like all these people are dead so it's, you have this real interesting thing it's like this should have been followed up in 1993 when people were alive you could have talked to the other interns um, anyway so yeah we're in the we're in the position now where things have gotten interesting with UFOs or UAPs but you know everybody's dead that was heavily yeah. involved in it so let's, I think I have the second one ready to go. And I'm, this one's shorter. I'm going to start it up.
You ready? Here we go. Go. All right, it's running. Any time now. But otherwise, you'd think you were almost in part of some science fiction uh, portrayal. I mean, you know, some set or something. Did you have a security classification at that point in time, or they just let you in without any kind of... We all had the security clearance. Was that immediately before you went there, or had you had one when you were working with uh, the science? I had one when I was working with Einstein. And that security, security clearance was respected. The only reason we could go. Is that security or did they deactivate it uh, after? Oh, it was immediately deactivated. Um, in the other experiences you've had, the other work you've done, did you ever have any other kinds of security clearances? I've never had a necessity since to have a security clearance. No. Do you, I had a uh, paper by the government on the ultimate structure of matter and National Academy of Science, but I have had no security clearance. Do you remember what uh, they called that clearance that you had? Did you have, did they name it for you? I don't even recall that except a final. I don't, I don't, I'd have to look that up. I don't know whether I even have a note on that. Um, the uh, program that you're working on with uh, with Einstein was it funded by the government or was it a university grant? Grant to him at that university at that time to have outstanding students from around the country picked to work with him that particular summer in nuclear chemistry. Did you have a title that was given to you while you worked there? Special student. Did he take any other students with him? No. I was the only student. Lucky you. <laughs> Come on. I was his pet. I have to admit that. I was. I was. I have to admit that. There were 29 and I summer. Were you there? When, I was the only girl either. Uh, when the, the last alien uh, died, were you there at that point in time? No, I wasn't. I was uh, I was back at the motel in, in a city nearby, and uh, I had been told, and I was I would be able to keep the being alive. Uh, how many were there originally? Nine. I saw nine, eight bodies, and then later we communicated with that one, so there were nine. And can you describe they were? Oh, I sure can. I remember that very well. They were uh, a very light, soft, uh, gray, I'd call it grayish-green, really. And they had a slim, lean uh, They had no nose, but they had markings where a nose opening would be. They had eyes and a mouth, no eyebrows. They had ears. They had a very uh, forehead, and I'd say relative to the rest of their body. And uh, the ones that I saw were approximately maybe uh, five feet tall, five feet five, something like that. 
They're small by what a man did on Earth. What did their eyes look like? Their eyes were enormous. They were uh, very prominent. They were the most obvious thing you'd see on their face. Were there any pupils? I noticed, but I never saw any pupils. What color were they? They were almost uh, uh, brown-black. They were very, very dark. Um, were they all the same color in terms of the... Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Did they have any kind of clothing on? Yes, they had suits on. What did they look like? Very much toward like what we call suits. The only thing was, though, that I didn't recognize the fabric. It didn't look like uh, any fabric that I would know as a chemist or even today that I would recognize. Were there any kind of fastener? <sighs> Buttons or zippers or ties or something? No, I didn't see any. What about their shoes? Their shoes were all, looked like they were connected. They were in one piece. Hey, I got to say this interviewer is awesome with her questions. Yeah. 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 She's very good. She, she's apparently still alive. So. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy corresponded with her to get this information to get the recordings. Um, so we will probably hear more, hopefully, uh, as this guy researches this some more. Oh, we got about three more minutes of the interview. I'll start it again. Okay. covered, you know, right down to what we would call the wrist. Uh, what color was it and did it have, was it any kind of trim? You mean the suit itself? Mm -hmm. Oh, it had like an insignia on it. What, what did the insignia look like? Yeah, I'd have to draw it for you. It looked like a, uh, not an artist, but it looked like something like this. I didn't know what it meant. The insignia. The insignia was almost in the middle of the garment. It wasn't off on the side like we would expect it to be. Did they need any special breathing apparatuses or were they, did they appear to be breathing on their own? Oh, their own and that was most amazing things that we were startled about where they could apparently survive in our atmosphere. And they had apparently come such a long way. Did they seem to indicate that the atmosphere similar to our breathing? They asked us about that, and we asked them about it. Yes, they seemed to indicate, yes, that it was quite similar. It was not identical to ours, though, because they claimed they had made tests. Did they tell you anything about of their lifestyle was there? We tried to find that out before we could. They really, uh, we were very interested in not uh, antagonizing them at all, so up to the point where we had them answer too many of ours, we never really found that out. We just knew that they don't live all above ground, according to what they told us. A lot of their, what we would call subterranean. Did they seem repelled by our appearance since they looked so different? Oh, they, they thought we were very odd. 
since you right. indicated that they were either androgynous or had no sex, did they mention how they procreated? That was another thing which we asked them about and we couldn't pin down either, but no, they indicated that they had this like we have at all. Did they tell you how they re reproduced? Did they refuse or they just, nobody probed them? Nobody real that. So they really were kind of limited in what they felt was appropriate to tell you? I would say so, yes. They, I would say they were very careful what they revealed. Mm -hmm. uh, did um, it seem like they wanted to have any kind of continual contact with this planet? Very definitely, yes. However, they had already almost discounted this as a desirable place to come. All right, that's it. So I hope they find the rest of the recordings. That's actually real interesting. It is interesting in that she's of the age that she is. Was she in her 80s already? I mean, she um, passed when she's about 85, I know. She died in 2015, and she was 85, so she was 63. That's still pretty lucid. 75. You know. Uh, 65. She was 60, 63. So she's, uh, yeah, she yeah. wasn't, she wasn't gone mentally. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm sort of having the Lazar paradox with her. Yeah. Although she is, as far as, uh, her background is solid. A lot of this stuff could be verified through, and apparently she, the guy is trying to verify through Einstein's records and stuff if he can. Yeah, they well, he had to go to the Jewish, whatever the... Well, there's, they a, have a, there's a different sites he went to. There's, I think, Cornell. Uh, where'd he go? Yeah, he contacted... I mean, there's a bunch of uh, archives for Einstein. So, oh yeah, yeah here it is. Go the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and the Einstein Papers Project at Caltech. Yeah, uh, but they didn't get any. They didn't really get a well. They didn't get a response related to the visit. Yeah, a lot of these things. I think have a feeling that the archivists for these things are going to be pretty arrogant to begin with because it's Einstein, and they're uh, you know oh like you a UFO question. Oh my God. So yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting because Einstein didn't seem to be. Too concerned about UFOs as a phenomenon. Phenomena. Yeah. Uh, he more was. He's a scientist. He just well, what's a propulsion? You know, where yeah, do they that. where do they come from? Yep. You know, it, um, for us, it's like holy crap! What? What? You know, what are they doing here? <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I want to know about the propulsion. I want to know where they came from. But why are they here? What are they? What? What's the game plan? What are they? Well, I. I yeah. She, she said that, and I, I, this is part of her story that I, I don't like, and I think we missed it when we were listening to it. Uh, she did mention, last time I listened to it, she did mention that they left their planet because of some sort of crisis or something, or, or energy crisis or something like that. So I don't know. Uh, if this, the information she got, everything she's getting, she's getting, this lady was getting secondhand from people firsthand. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's like the Lazar, I call it the Lazar paradox now. You have a really good witness, um, obviously a very smart person that's telling an extraordinary story. 
the difference between her and Lazar is that her background is, is obviously pretty impeccable. Um, it could be easily be verified that she was an intern. She has two uh, PhDs. She taught at uh, Miami-Dade Community College for decades, um, for over 50 years. Um, she ran her family's hotel in the, you know, in Miami Beach, in the Tropicare yeah. Hotel. Um, so uh, she seems like a very sort of, I mean, upstanding citizen. And the question is, is like, yeah, yeah, why would somebody make up a story like this? So um, I have trouble with um, her saying that they come from another galaxy. I think that's a stretch. The time time warp thing, I think she just threw that out. Um, the psychic communication, I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't know oh, what, about psychic communication. This all sort of fits the science fiction trope from the 40s and 50s with the space alien with a big head or the future yeah. humans with the big head um, communicating psychically and stuff like that. So other than uh, that... I always think about the large black eyes. I mean, if you're, it's kind of like fish that are at the bottom of the ocean where yeah. there's no light. They have gigantic eyes because they want to they need all that to be able to see anything. Well, she's and saying it's kind of like you're born in space. I mean, if you're from, you're, if you're space travelers, space traveling um, entities, you know, you might evolve into something over the million years, whatever, that, you know, your eyes to start one way, then, you know, there's very little light in space. Well, yeah. 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 But it's so also, I, don't know. I mean, if you're a space traveling entity, why do you need legs? Um, yeah, to stand on, you could yeah. just have you could just have another set of hands at the bottom of your feet, and so you have um, if if they're highly advanced, it's easy to modify biological organisms, including you know intelligent organisms. So yeah. it doesn't. Why not modify your your feet so they could actually be hands? So which might even be more handy in a spaceship. So there, I mean, there's a lot of things. The we'll see as we progress through this over the next ten or twenty years. Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing that bothers me about the space alien things is it, and, and I didn't think about this until Joe Rogan pointed it out, the whole giant head shrunken body. Um, I mean, that's, that's like, that's a trope from the forties and fifties. And that's something that, that they, everybody thought the science fiction sort of pulp science fiction thing. This is what future humans were going to be. And so now we're seeing space aliens as, you know, this and future humans. Other than that, um, well, really wasn't, I mean, as we talked tons of times before, Roswell's kind of like ground zero, like the Bible. Yeah. That's where it started. Yeah. It's yeah. really where all this started. I mean, I, you know, as I read, I mean, we're in, we're back into Repelt's book, but you know, they're talking about dirigibles in the 1940s or fifties and that, or no, I'm sorry, not the 1850s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, over San Francisco Bay Area. Well, that and, was, yeah. You know. And those sightings, I was thinking, is because at the time, people described them as dirigibles, as sausage-shaped yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, they look, they're probably balloons. They're probably well, dirigibles. I was thinking, you don't, conceptually, you don't have, you have to be able to relate objects to objects to actually describe them. So if you look at a cup... Yeah. We know what a cup looks like. So you look at it, you can look at a lot of different things and say, oh, that's like a cup, even if it's not a cup. 
Um, and I think from the stuff in the 1800s, when people were seeing these, like in the San Francisco area, and the, they were seeing things that they were calling dirigibles because that was those were finally being uh, had entered the technological space, and people were reading about airships. So if you saw something that looked like a flying saucer, uh, you would say it was. It looked like to me, it looked like a dirigible because that's the closest thing you could come to to describe it. So I was thinking about some of these early sightings. Like they're saying they look like dirigibles. You know, they might have been. If you look at a flying saucer from the side, uh, or a rocket ship, or anything like that, it you would say, oh, that's a dirigible because that's the only that's the concept that you can deal with. That's the point of reference. Yeah, you know, point of you know. reference. Yeah. So. So yeah. The, well, the dirigibles were invented in '52, and then you know it's. I think when we're talking about a lot of the mean, sightings. I mean, 1852. 1852. Yeah. 1852. Yeah. I mean, the, the sightings are, you know. So, so you know, a lot of the UFO sightings, I think, are just people don't even know people because people, you know, we didn't have the print, the internet, and all that. People have seen these things that have well, never. Well, heard you got it. You got to remember, people are sort of, we're all sort of information animals, which is why everybody's on their iPhones or their phones all the time or on their computers. Yeah. I mean, as we all are now. That's right. The information um, age. Well, and before that, when, when we were growing up, there was television. So we're the TV, yeah. we're part of the TV generation. So we were always, you know, every night you'd go and you turn on the TV, and that's an information device. And uh, television, newspapers, magazines. Um, and you go back farther, and then it was radio, and then the um, uh, newspapers. It, you go back even farther, and newspapers would publish a morning and an afternoon edition. So you'd get up in the yeah. morning, you'd have a newspaper to read at breakfast, and when you got at home at night, you'd have a newspaper to read in the evening. And uh, there was lots of magazines. And I, the thing that blew me away is there's like mail delivery in these old cities. You know, a hundred years ago, mail delivery was like three times a day or more. So there was so much, I mean, now we just get it electronically. Before, it was just tons of paper. So people got tons of letters. People got tons of uh, books and magazines and, pulp, you know, cheap things to read. And so the information, people were not, um, we have a tendency to think that people are more primitive in the past. Um, it's just, I think, the mode of communication was more primitive than what we're seeing now. Um, so people you, uh, people knew did, about dirigibles and they knew about um, you know that was their frame of reference. Well, what's that? Did you ever have we, growing up? Did you ever have? I mean, I I've had this, but I've never. I can't remember who it was. People that their parents didn't let the kids watch television. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't know any parents that were really successful with it, and I think a lot of the kids <laughs> kids that we knew would sort. There were some they would talk about it. Um. And it just, it never, to me, it never passed the smell test. I think yeah. the, I think a lot of, I think that was sort of a social signaling, like we see a lot these days where, where the kids were saying, yeah, my parents don't let me watch TV. And well, well, they'd be running around like they were smarter than us. Well, there was a, <laughs> they were, so I, so, I, what are they? I think this was, I think we were in class together and this was at, at grade school and the teacher said don't watch television try and not watch television for a week. Yeah. And we uh, I miss a Star Trek episode I'm screwed I don't want to do it. Nobody I think one person she asked 
I think it went on for like one day or something like that. She asked the class, and there was like one girl raised her hand. And this was when they had this, our standard class sizes when we were in grade school was 30 students. Yeah. So one girl out of 30 raised her hand and said she didn't watch TV the night before. And everyone else, I mean, because we were young enough where we were very honest. The kids, told, We told the truth. We told the truth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like now. Yeah. No, and, and now the first thing they go to is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did they want to hear? Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. But it, back then, there was like one girl in our class raised her hand and said, I did not watch TV last night. And I actually, I actively tried to do that for probably, I, to me, it seems, my memory says it was probably 10 minutes. It was probably more like 15 seconds. <laughs> so, or less, 10 seconds. But yeah, I couldn't do it. Back then, I couldn't do it. It's, could not watch, it, could not not watch television. So It's just on. I mean, when I grew up, I mean, the TV was just, it's, just on. I had well, a single, you know, my dad was the back well, earlier, my dad. Well, I was in a house. Dad. Yeah, there was like three or yeah. four other people. In, there was three other people in my house, and it was like, no, the TV was on too. It's like, there's no way. I can't. I'm not going to go sit yeah. in the bedroom and, and li- I would, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Not with yeah. a kid. I think it was around 10 or something. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, people were, it, um, people were knowledgeable about dirigibles and i think that in the older sightings that would they say so this coming back to this lady i know what do you think um i i i when i heard this the first time and that's when i sent you to that note and i said this is crazy how come i haven't heard it like i said before i haven't heard of this if she sounds lucid she'd say what motivation would she have to lie yeah um yeah. I suppose in their sixties, I guess you could, but back people back then, they don't. She wasn't being paid. She wasn't no other. She didn't want notoriety. Yeah. They, um, they, what they, would her motivation be to lie about this? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. The, and um, and her first when they wrote it up first in that guy's uh, books status in the the uh, Leonard Stringfield status reports in the 90, 1990s, uh, they used a synonym for her. They used right. Edith Simpson as her name in his to protect her name and family privacy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm believing. I mean, I was so excited when I saw this. I went, "Holy crap! I can't believe I'm there." Well, I kind of like Lazar. Well, that's the same reaction I had when Lazar when I first discovered Lazar and listened. You know, I made everybody listen to the Lazar Joe Rogan interview and said, "This dude." <laughs> it, there's no way this dude's lying. There's no way. And then, as time went on, I, I still give Lazar. <laughs> Lazar, there is elements of his story that are remarkable, and there's elements of his stories that hold together. Uh, and there's aspects of his life and elements of his stories that stink. Yeah. And this this lady, uh, she's she's a lot more credible witness than than Bob Lazar, and, I, and I'm calling this the Lazar paradox, because um, she's very credible. Parts of her story seem to make a lot of sense. Um, uh, other parts of her stories, to me, it's like science fiction trope, science fiction. So that the she said galaxy, I don't believe that uh, we would see beings from another galaxy, but I I'm thinking she might be a lot of people do this. They'll use the word galaxy to refer to solar system. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. she's educated. I mean, she's obviously well, very educated. Well, I'm educated. But, but we still use the term. Yeah, I agree with you. We still yeah. use the term for the generality people, people, of the galaxy and the universe. Yeah. People so don't use it in the right context. They don't use the definitions, which is why I wanted to get to those definitions. So I'm thinking if she was using the term galaxy in referring, and that's referring to solar system, all right, that would increase her credibility. The tele communication I don't know um, there's also the possibility that um, there's the misinformation that if this did happen they could have fed her this this the other stuff like the telepathic communication and all this other things as a disinformation feed so if she did yeah. talk she's gonna look like a nutbag yeah so that's a possibility with with the information that she has because a lot of her information is secondhand. So the primary information that he has, and one of the things that impressed me when she says, how many beings did she see? She said nine. And the way that she said that was very definite. Yeah. Um, so that, that impressed me. And she said one was alive. So her eyewitness accounts, I would say, are very credible. Her secondhand reporting, which may be elements of disinformation, and we'll talk about that with um, when we get into the Roberts report next week, and I I'm, hopefully we'll be able to do that justice. Um, well, it, it it ties in with other say stories of the one alien. In fact, they named him something because he was still alive. Oh, that survived. Yeah, died. yeah. So it is. It is. I mean, unless they delved into that and they figured that out themselves. I mean, it's kind of an odd coincidence that. It, ties into the original remember he stayed he was alive for a while they actually named him and all yeah. that well i i liked her story because everything else except for the other stuff that she heard secondhand her eyewitness descriptions are yeah. awesome she says she saw a ship she can give the size she wasn't able to get close to it she saw bodies she saw got a good look at the bodies she uh saw one that was alive but in great pain yeah uh, so outside of the uh, secondhand information that she may have been fed as disinformation uh, she's her her story is great she's a good eyewitness yeah, yeah so, she may have been and like you said she was told she didn't get to see all this stuff firsthand she was just told by like you said secondhand from other well and, and that's part of the thing is if you want to ensure someone's someone's um, you know, it's also you provide uh, false information to someone if they decide to leak or talk about stuff. It's it's standard right. standard uh, counterintelligence. You give people yeah. false information, and you give them specific stuff, and either to make them look bad, so you can discover the leak, or you know, whatever. So there yeah. there are strong elements, and we'll see in the Roberts report. And the Roberts report was a CIA initiated. report investigation analysis of the UFO phenomenon um, that a core component of the Roberts report was the disinformation campaign so I would actually say that it's possible that the ex the weird what I would call the weird information that she's repeating that she got as secondhand information is just dissent disinformation to make her look um, to discredit her if she decided to talk about what she saw but like I said, this is yeah. a Lazar paradox. Uh, you have a very oh, absolutely. you got a very credible witness 
but then you have elements that make you question what's going on. So, eh, you know, whatever. I think it's, this is excellent. This is an awesome that these recordings that have come out and the name of the real person has come out. Otherwise, it's a obscure uh, description in a hard-to-get book from 20 years ago. 30, yeah. years, 30 years ago. 30 is this the one that's $70 or is this another? Yeah, yeah. You can find the first one online, first status report. And it's just these, it's just, it's little monographs or just reports. So it's not a very thick book, but people are selling it for um, $70. I'm not going to pick one up. I don't need to look at it. I got enough stuff to go review at this point. Yeah. Um, so just keep working. The, um, yeah. And also the big headed alien with the shrunken body. All that stuff yeah. could just be misinformation. And then it gets adopted by the hoaxers and the fraudsters uh, because that's what people want to hear. So, grain of salt. Other than that, her first-hand descriptions are outstanding. Her second-hand stuff, uh, I think, is questionable and maybe um, misinformation or disinformation specifically fed to her. Um, my my yeah. four bits. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to let's oh. let's uh, let's talk about a few more things if you want. I got um, we can talk for a few minutes. Uh, I also have the the uh, another recording from that site, which is Frank Edwards on Einstein and Truman. Do you want you want to listen to yeah. that? Let's cue yeah. that up. Let's do it. Let me get that going, and that'll take. A, that's a two minute recording okay let me get it let's get this up yeah this is frank edwards as an introduction used to have a uh, tv show oh i could cue these all up i don't know how to use anything i had (laughs) had a radio show that was famous wrote a bunch of books um he wrote a book called ufos a serious business and this is frank edwards uh doing two minutes from one of his broadcasts all right starting now
they heard about this shoot-em-down order, and they personally got in touch with the little man in the White House. And I know what Mr. Einstein told him. He said, Mr. President, anyone who can cross millions of miles of space will be able to take care of himself after he gets there. Don't start something you can't finish. That was one time that give him hell, Harry, decided it would be better not to give him any hell. All right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, he's right. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to come all the way here and not be able to protect themselves. But I don't, you know, maybe, <laughs> well, we all assume they have weapons to, like, laser beams and ray guns and crap. I, yeah, whatever energy weapon. But maybe they're, maybe this is something like, I don't, you know, that we, that's something we would do. We'd arm. You know, like aliens, where they sit the, you know, the the, the marine, marines, the space yeah. marines out, and they got the ship with all this gun crap sticking all out of it. Maybe, yeah, maybe they just don't care about killing and mayhem, you know. And it's uh, obviously for traveling to. Maybe they don't run across a lot of races that want to hurt them. You know, it's like yeah. nobody wants to hurt us. Well, well, we don't need anything to do this. Well, I know? saw there was a something I was looking at, and they said that there was a. Um, oh, there have been shootouts with people getting in shootouts with flying saucers and losing. Well, yeah. So I saw. You, I mean, I saw, I saw a reference. I haven't found anything on that. That was just like a reference in another book. Yeah, I have. Uh, as we go through this, I it was a very. I mean, I've heard of it too, but I. Not in that, you know, like we, the man, what was it, the, which one was it, was the P-51 or going up and, oh, yeah. I think he either crashed into the, th- there was, he yeah, well, crashed into it or. The, the very first description in, in Ruppelt's book is a fighter jet or a fighter airplane shooting at a yeah. UFO and the guy getting in trouble. I mean, that's the first, that's what he starts his book off with. Yeah. And that's it. And the debris field, I mean, we talked about this several episodes ago, but the debris, that wasn't a plane that crashed whole. Yeah. That thing was in pieces before yeah. it hit the ground. Yeah. If it ran oh, into Oh, this is, this is, this is Mantell. Yeah. 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 And uh, he, whatever happened, you know, maybe simply ran into the thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, anyway, that's. Uh, I guess that's it for today. Well, that's really, and I really appreciate you bringing that because I was, I was shocked when I saw that. I don't know, maybe uh, it's, it's not as big as I think. Yeah, it's, 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 it, you know, it's very cool. Um, cool. All right. All well, right. Let's wrap it up. Thanks, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Pro Podcast. We welcome your comments, questions, and or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at alienprobe.net, Twitter at alienprobepod. Thank you. Oh, also, we should mention YouTube. Thanks for about 45,000 uh, uh, listens and um, got a lot of uh, subscribers. Thank you out there. And uh, thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony, and also uh, Dr. Bill, who manages to thread this thing together for distribution. I appreciate it. And yes. uh, thanks for bringing everything together. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
there. Okay. All right. Are you there? Awesome. Did I'm it, here, yeah. Did it explode? My, oh. yeah, oh, yeah. I lasted, I think, 50 minutes almost. Oh, wow. Uh, your com computer's getting almost better. Almost made it the whole time.